Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. This episode features Josh Pickford, founder of Bear Metrics, SaaS analytics for Stripe. Hey, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, we always like to begin by uh, kind of understanding um, a little bit more about you, where you're from, and, and how did your interest in entre- entrepreneurship develop? Because um, you've kind of launched uh, several products over the years, including Pop Survey um, and an Apple blog uh, before doing Bare Metrics. So if you can just let us know a little bit about your background. Sure. So I've, I've been making stuff for the web. Uh, I mean, I think the first, the first thing that I ever launched saying, hey, I'm going to make some money off this uh, was... A site called reallydumbstuff.com. Uh, Excellent this is, name. This is back in no, no, no. Take that back. Take that back. Reallyfunarcade.com. Reallydumbstuff.com came shortly thereafter. Um, and both of those. That was 2002, I think. Um, so I would have been like a sophomore in college then. And uh, and it was like I I kind of I got the bug. Like I'd heard. Um, I mean, as a kid, I was always like, you know, cutting the neighbor's grass to make money or like creating a little lemonade stand in my like dead end street with no traffic, but hoping to get somebody to drive by and give me some money. So that's, I, I, I've had the entrepreneurial bug since I was a kid, but I guess the current incarnation of let me make some money online started, uh, back in probably 2002. And, uh, like you mentioned, there's been a bunch of stuff. I mean, that started off really fun arcade and really dumb stuff and a ton of all I mean dozens of other sites after that uh, at the time was all based around ad revenue um, I mean at, at the height of me making money off ad revenue I was probably making five thousand dollars a month off ad revenue um, but that you know that tanked in like 2007 mm-hmm. um, so but that's I guess yeah I've had my hand in a ton of stuff and software development specifically like let me create software for somebody else to use and me to charge them for it uh, has was I think the first thing was, um, or that really started more in like probably two thousand six two thousand seven. Um, yeah. What what was that uh, first project? So the first sort of SaaS thing that I made was uh, it's called Track the Pack, and that was uh, package tracking like universal package tracking software application that I built uh, initially to scratch my own itch for a toy store I had. Um, so I was, I was ordering toys from literally all over the world and I wanted to know where they were So at any given time. So I uh, built this software, decided to make it open for other people to use and then kind of went from there. But that was like the first taste of recurring revenue, I guess. What is Metrics? Why'd you create it? And how did you hack the first version in less than a month? So I, I created it, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Pop Survey, and so there was Pop Survey and Temper, uh, both technically under the same company 
pop survey. And uh, those both use Stripe and had used Stripe since probably 2012. And uh, I needed all these business metrics, so MRR, LTV, churn, all this stuff. And uh, everything else that was available turned out to be, I, I, just, I didn't trust the data. So not necessarily because that software was good or bad, but or the software that was out there was good or bad, but specifically didn't trust that I had integrated it correctly. So there's this this sort of barrier to, am I hooking this up correctly? And that and the entire accuracy of the software hinged on me not screwing up the integration. <laughs> so no, and no so, um, so that's where that came from. Like I knew Stripe has all the data in there from for you know all my customers. So, uh, why not hook it up and see what I can do with it? So initially did it to scratch my own itch, uh, and then decided to put it out there. And um, that's that's sort of the why I created it. Now hacking it together in less than a month was um, more of a, I didn't at the time I almost didn't launch it publicly at all. It was like I've got Pop Survey and Temper. I don't need a third SaaS product to keep up with. Um, but then ultimately decided like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like I put it out there, but I, I can't spend months and months developing this thing. So I just did the most basic thing I could possibly get out the door uh, in a month, and that was it. So cool, cool. And and so a little bit more on on that kind of that product side. Um, I saw that you got a presentation um, somewhere on the internet. I think Speaker Deck called um, "Idea to 5K in about five months." And yep. really, the main message in there is that. You know, you, you need to create a product from day one, learn from it, and, and just continually ship it. So how did you actually hack bare metrics to 5K in the first five months? So initially, I mean, it was, I, you know, throw it out the wind or out, out the door to see what sticks. Like, does anybody even care? Yeah. And I mean, I like my first customer was a guy paying $250 a month, and he's still a customer. So like... That I think right in itself, it was like, oh man, I can make some money off there. Like people are willing to pay more than ten dollars a month for this. So um, that in its on its own gave me a lot of motivation. So I mean, I had a couple thousand bucks in recurring revenue within two months. I mean, the first month, first couple of weeks, I think I had like a thousand dollars in recurring revenue, and so it started growing pretty quickly for something that I had just thrown together myself. But I. I've made a point to keep iterating on it so quickly. So two months in, I threw out the entire code base and design and everything else and started from scratch because I knew that what I had initially built wasn't quite solving the real problem that people were having. And so I, but I knew what it needed to be done. So again, it's just like, like get nose to the grindstone and push something out there and not like get so caught up on it being perfect or what you think is perfect, mm -hmm. uh, but get something that you know people will pay for. And so so talking about, you know, what people will pay for, especially with an MVP, yeah. um, you like I think it was maybe in the same deck or maybe some of the other content uh, that you've blogged about or, or whatever, but you talk about pricing a product for the customers you want. So how do you price a product for the customers you want and, and who are the, the customers you want, I guess? So in my case, I don't want... Um, that's probably not the right phrase. Uh, I prefer having customers who also whose customers are also businesses. So B two B, like mm -hmm. I prefer B two B customers over B two C customers, primarily because like a, a B two B customer is charging you know typically like at on a, the low end fifty bucks a month to their customers, whereas a B two C might be charging a buck ninety nine. So. I know that the customers I want are the ones who are willing, like who understand value 
for what they're paying for. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not they're not basing uh, what they want on purely on price. Um, so it's people who aren't price conscious who say, I know that the thing I'm paying for solves a big enough pain problem for me to give you money for it. I, I get enough benefit out of that. So that's the customer I want. And the way that I've, like, when it comes down to pricing, um, for me, like, I want customers who are paying, you know, I mean, like, our average revenue per user is, like, around 80 bucks. So the average person, bare measures customer is paying 80 bucks a month. Um, and that's that's kind of where, I mean, the higher that gets, the better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I knew that I needed to build a product that could support a, say, 50 to $100 a month price point on average. And so that's, like, I built a tool that I felt like could support that. Very cool. And we'll get into a little bit more of those like very specific um, kind of SaaS metrics later on because I know you guys do a lot of tracking on that. But yep. you, you've also just, just kind of expanding on the lines um, that, that we're going down. Um, you've also said that like more engagement makes it less disposable. So the more somebody's coming back to your product, the more they get into it, the more they love it, the least likely they are to dump it. Um, yep. so, so how do you actually uh, make sure they, they don't dump it since it's a SaaS product and you know there's no contracts and stuff like that? How do you keep them engaged? Sure. So, and that's, I mean, in reality, like that's, that is the thing that we're struggling with, uh, with Barometric specifically is, uh, how do we get past being just pretty numbers and graphs and how do we be some, how do, how do we become something, uh, ingrained in the business that's genuinely useful or necessary even. Um, and some of the stuff is, you know, I've mentioned this, some of the other talks that I've done, I mean, the, is keeping, uh, the, the more of the team that you can get involved the better. So if you know if you've got your entire team is using bare metrics, for instance, uh, it's going to be a lot harder for one guy to say, "Ah, we don't need this anymore." Well, no, you've got to convince your entire team now that you don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're a lot less likely to try to do that. Um, things like email reports—that's um, a big one because it's it's like a daily or weekly reminder that here's the value you're getting out of our service. Um, but you know, the more that it becomes this something that they, not necessarily making them think about it, but reminding them that like, hey, you're getting value out of it, the the better. So how do you approach building a new product? And what are some of the mistakes that you find entrepreneurs make when building, um, when building a product? So I would say most entrepreneurs make the mistake of building something nobody wants, uh, which sucks because, you know, nobody wants it. But the, most entrepreneurs, com- entrepreneurs convince themselves that people do in fact want it and so they sink months and months of time typically not money but typically they sink a ton of their time into building something with a flawed uh, sort of starting point there they've they they've assumed that oh because I thought of this problem somebody else was probably willing to pay for it and most of the time that most of the time that's not the case so uh, I it's it's so important to uh, to prove as early as possible that anybody will give you a dollar. Like, if if people will not give you money uh, early on, like, don't assume that they're all of a sudden later going to start giving you money. It's a problem if you can't make some money in the first few days. Uh, so I think that's it's that's why getting you know minimum viable product, minimum whatever, like whatever the three letter uh, acronym you want to use there, like does. All of it means you need to get something out of the door as quickly as possible that you can charge for. 
So like that's it's so mm-hmm. important to charge people right away because it proves if you're solving a big enough problem to them. It, you may have a great you may have great software. This thing may solve that problem great, like in just the best way possible. But if nobody's going to pay for it, then who cares? You know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's what the the main mistake people make is they assume that the problem that they're solving is one people will pay for, uh, or assume that it's even a problem at all. It may not be. And and so how do you go from that MVP to uh, uh, another term that I think you've coined, or at least that I, that I saw in your blog, is uh, going from an MVP to an MDP, so I'm assuming a minimum deployable product. Sure. So, I mean, like, it's, I think those are one and the same, really. I mean, uh, you shouldn't put something out there until it's ready, until it solves a big enough problem that people will pay for it. I'm not, I'm certainly not advocating putting like crappy software out, and I'm not advocating. Um, yeah, it's got to be good putting, enough that, that somebody's going to want to put their credit card down and say. It needs to, like, if it solves any, if it actually solves a business problem, you can charge from it way earlier than you probably think you can. Um, it's just, a, but I think a lot of times either people, they try to build stuff that nobody wants or that aren't willing to pay for, or they wait too long and think that they that their product isn't valuable enough early on, and they delay. And so, like the problem with that um, is, if you wait a long time to launch something, it you you continue to make potentially incorrect assumptions about what what you're solving um, or the problem you're solving. Uh, so the sooner you get out there, the sooner you can find out. Are my assumptions correct about what the solution for this needs to be? And the longer you wait, the more assumptions you make, blind assumptions, really. Uh, and so that's, again, another vote for getting something out as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And so you've, you've obviously got, you know, you've done a, quite a few SaaS-based products in the past. And yep. Bear Metrics is, is obviously very geared towards SaaS metrics, things like average revenue per user, monthly recurring revenue, lifetime value. Um, and, and some of your advice to, to entrepreneurs is to actually just ship the product and kill it if those metrics aren't actually validating any of your assumptions. So how do you know whether you're making progress or not and, and whether or not a business is viable? Sure. So a lot of it comes down to, to time. Um, like, I don't think that if, you do, if, if, you've, if your metrics don't, aren't great in the first few days, like, okay, who cares? Like, it's a few days in, right? And reality, I think most people can actually hyper focus on metrics that don't matter at all early on. Um, for instance, like bare metrics early on, the literally the only thing I cared about was monthly recurring revenue. Uh, churn I didn't really care about because we didn't have enough customers for that to even like pan out from the calculation side of things. Like you don't have enough data to actually give you a usable number there early on. So um, you have to figure out what early on like what metric matters for you to stay in business. Um, and I think like if you can get MRR up MRR up pretty quickly, then you're solid. Um, but like, I think warning signs are if you have the average monthly revenue per user is low, um, that's a warning sign that people don't find your product valuable enough. Or it can mean you're just not charging enough, and so you need to, you know, quit being scared that people aren't willing to pay for your product. Um, but I, like, that's you just have to figure out what's most important to your business to to stay in business. And for bootstrapped people, that's almost certainly MRR. Like, I mean, that's how much money you're making. If you're not making any money, you can't stay in business, especially when you're bootstrapped. And, and how soon is too soon to know? Like, should you give um, it, like... Sure. So I would say, like, give yourself at least a few months. Okay. Um, uh, you know, it's hard to say. If you're, if you're um, building a business that focuses on, like, 
more enterprisey stuff where you it requires you to close larger sales. So that just takes a lot longer. But Absolutely. if you're, you know, if you've got a ten dollar a month price point uh, and you can only make a hundred bucks in the first couple of months, like you might should rethink things. That's great. Um, so right now, if you were to go to your the Bear Metrics demo page, you actually are able to see the business stats. Um, Buffer also publicly released their business revenue data through your pl- platform. Do you think this level of transparency in, is the future of startups? Um, I don't know about the future. Um, I would. I mean, I, if everybody, do you think it's a more first... common trend that's happening in the startups? Because I know Buffer is pretty transparent with. Uh... Sure, sure. Uh, I do think it's a trend. I mean, for us, that was it was a marketing play. Like, I and no, like. Okay, it's great to be transparent. I enjoy being transparent, but I mean, if we're honest, it benefits me significantly to be really transparent um, from a marketing standpoint. So, um, I think it just depends on like if it helps or hurts a business. So, some businesses that level of transparency, like if it's if you're in a really competitive space, like you could shoot yourself in the foot by making your stuff, uh, depending on how much how transparent you are. Um, but other people, I think I think we are moving towards people uh, not caring, like the reason people haven't been transparent about this stuff in the past is because most people aren't doing, like they're doing awful. Like their business mm-hmm. is tanking and they don't want to tell anybody that, right? Um, but the more people are transparent about that, I think the more people find that it's actually pretty helpful from a support standpoint, at least from like the entrepreneurial community. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I do think people, are, it's trending more people are more comfortable with it. it it's less this oh, everything's got to stay private because I think most of the time that privacy doesn't gain you anything. When did you guys uh, start doing that if you don't mind me asking? So we the made our demo public in February um, and that was uh, pure laziness actually. Like I just <laughs> needed I needed a demo up and I wasn't about to stub in a bunch of demo, uh, dummy data in there. It was too much hassle. So I was like, well, let's make my dashboard public. Um, and that's sort of then that's what led to Buffer a couple months later. I think in April they made their pub theirs public. There's been a couple others since then. Cool, yeah, and it's obviously helping you guys uh, yep. both sell the tool and and just kind of like from a marketing perspective. Yep, awesome. So so one of the other things that uh, just made news, I guess, last week is uh, mm-hmm. is you know you guys are built on top of Stripe. Obviously, um, you guys just took on some you know uh, 500k in in funding from them. Um, so like, why did you decide to take on that money instead of bootstrapping and, sure. and kind of wh- what's it going to do? F- for you in the future. Yeah, yeah. So um, the deal itself closed back in August, and then uh, it takes a long time to coordinate PR folks. Um, so the way that the way that we've been using the money is uh, initially like that's just for hiring. So um, so the, I guess the reason to take it on was we built this like feels like we've proved that there's a business there. Um, and so now the additional funding lets us basically accelerate that. Not not necessarily through uh, customer acquisition. So, you know, I've, I can just throw this money at certain marketing channels and make a bunch of money back by new customers. But it lets us build out, expand, like make the platform uh, uh, more valuable to current customers and then potential future customers too. So that's that was sort of the reason to take it on was to just be able to grow faster. And it's it's a bit of a special fund, correct? Like it's yeah. So it's like it's deal. I mean, so the 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 VC specifically behind it is uh, General Catalyst, which is they've invested in Stripe. Uh, they're a primary Stripe investor and a bunch, invested in a bunch of other stuff too. So the fund is set up through them 
to let basically sort of bolster innovation on Stripe's platform. So like Stripe's basically got this ecosystem mm-hmm. building up around their uh, around their platform. So they're saying like, hey, Barometrics is a great example of building an, a legitimate business on top of Stripe, of just Stripe, and uh, and so that's that was sort of the reason to even start the fund was to kind of help kickstart the the ecosystem a bit more and to and because there's like legitimate businesses that can be built on top of it. Yeah, for sure. And so so how big is your team now, and what are you guys planning on doing in the future in terms of like new features or? You know, are you gonna yeah. do? Are you gonna do PayPal metrics or? <laughs> so okay, so well, team size right now we're at four full time, and we're in the next I don't know. Hopefully, two weeks we'll have three more people, um, and that's that's all my initial hiring that I'll have plans on doing. So we'll be at a team of seven at that point. Um, that's great. So um, in the future, I mean, like, there's a lot that the bare metrics as a this platform becomes needs to be a, a much um, what's the word? I mean, like, it lacks a lot of the tools necessary to kind of get in there and really, like, really analyze your data. Um, so that's, you know, building, like, custom reports and segmenting your data and all this stuff. Uh, there's that side of it, and there's also the, like, how do we help people understand what any of their numbers mean? So a ton of entrepreneurs, especially people who just started at this, don't have a clue what any of these like three-letter acronyms mean, and what it mean, and, and more importantly, what it means for their business. Like, why should they care, and what does it mean that they should change about their business to fix these numbers? So, um, helping them understand that data, and then more specifically saying, "All right, you know, your user churn is pretty high. Here are the specific things that you should start looking for in your business to fix that, and 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 then we'll help you measure that along the way to make sure that." you know, you're hitting your goals, that kind of stuff. Um, and no plans on expanding to PayPal. Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> I figured, I figured you were going there. I just, yeah. uh, so, so, so just a little bit more around the education and kind of separating those vanity metrics from, from really the core metrics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's wicked. Something we do on every episode is ask the, ask what your favorite apps, tools, or books are. So what are you, what are you using right now? Or what are you reading right now? So tools, we're so boring from a like a, as a company like like intercom we use for like support stuff um we use a little tool called bare metrics <laughs> um i slack for chat within the company um i don't know so that's we're so boring on that stuff and but i like that like i don't like i i'm not the like let's use the latest and greatest thing like mm-hmm. it's just tiring to stay on top of that um books so the book, there are there are two books that I've been recommending lately that I that I think most people should read. Mm, let's say three. So one is uh, it's called The War of Art, um, by uh, I think it's Steve and Pressfield. I may have gotten that wrong, but it's called The War of Art. That's a great one about like not most people are their own worst enemy. And, uh, and make up all sorts of excuses about why not to do things or why they're not able to pull something off. And that's like a shut up and do it kind of book. Um, a second is uh, a book called Traction that just came out in the past month. Yep. Um, that's a good one. I'm just getting traction, surprisingly. Um, and the third is a book called Buzz Marketing. And... Uh, it's a, about like doing things that 
or non-traditional from a marketing perspective. So like the demo, like us making our numbers public would be sort of this, mm-hmm. uh, in the business world would be sort of a, I mean, it'd be, it's atypical. If anybody else does it, they just look like a copycat and it, it pays off. It's got, it, the payoff for that was huge. Yeah, exactly. So, Something comes out of left field and that no one's, you know, anticipating. Right. You, you couldn't have get, like, it's not traditional and it, and people pay attention to it. Wicked. So, That's yeah. awesome. Great. All right. Well, I think that that pretty much wraps everything up. Uh, I mean, I really appreciate you having, you know, taking the time and having you on the show today, Josh. Cool. Thanks for having me. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.